Ladies and gentlemen, happy New Year's, and welcome back to In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am Matt Thomas, joined, as always, by my co-host and best friend, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing well. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. Did you uh, have a good celebration? Did you guys do something for New Year's? <laughs> nah, just uh, pretty boring. Uh, just watched the ball drop. That's about it. Just... Uh, watch college football <laughs> and a winter classic hey man That's most years it. most years i don't <laughs> even watch the ball drops so <laughs> no worries there I'm, I'm with you uh this year was a rare year where we actually did do something we oh, cool. uh, were hanging out with our buddy josh and his family and we actually did the polar express uh train oh. ride for the kids where um, that where? night in, in durango oh sweet um, okay so it was pretty fun and uh a highly recommend. Question. Yeah. How in advance, how much in advance do you have to reserve the tickets? So here's the deal. My my son's a certain age um, where, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this year, like, oh, we better pull the trigger on this because I don't know how much longer Santa's going to be like magical and all that. So we went ahead and did it. But, you know, we were like already about a week into December when we decided. So in the interest of us all sitting together pretty easily and also not having to pay their like premium rates for the time that you're doing it, uh, we went ahead and <laughs> did it for New Year's Eve. So so not too bad. It was That's it was wide bad. open yeah. when we booked okay. that, you know. So it wasn't month. like in March of 2023. Yeah, no, I don't know when okay. they opened it up. I, I wish <laughs> okay. that uh, I was the type to think ahead a little bit more. <laughs> but as you probably know, Justin, I'm a pretty big procrastinator. So just kind of uh, like thought about this YouTube. all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, we got it done. And, um, and it was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, so we have a lot to get into today, in spite of my frozen camera here. <laughs> um, and we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Um, there have been a lot of different things that have gone down since we last went ahead and did an episode of In the Lab. We had a big OG Ananobi trade that finally dropped. And so we will get into that. And we'll look at some changes in the standings because there have been some trending teams and some separation there. And we will also look at some recent frustrations in Phoenix and talk about that situation. So Justin, as you know, we've talked on this show and we enjoy a good go conversation here and there. Uh, I think if it's, if it's nuanced and intelligent discussion, then we enjoy a good go conversation. Before we get into our main topics for today, I did want to bring up this clip with Stephen A. Smith from earlier today. So let me pull this up and hopefully you guys can hear this. Well, Kobe Bryant is not the second greatest player in NBA history. That's just not true. It's just not. The points per game didn't equal LeBron's. The assist didn't equal LeBron's. The rebounds didn't equal LeBron's. The durability didn't equal LeBron's. He's got more rings, but we can't ignore the fact that the first three came with Shaq in his prime. One of the top two most dominant figures in the history of basketball. That dude. Now, Shaq didn't win without him. I know who Kobe is. I know who Kobe was. I know what Kobe meant, meant, meant 
and will forever lead to the game of basketball. And top 10 all time, no doubt about it, but he ain't top two. Come on, y'all. LeBron didn't have Shaq as a teammate. Kyrie and Kevin Love, okay. D-Wade, Bosh, Ray Allen, okay. You cannot put him number two over LeBron. You cannot put him number two over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kobe was number two to MJ as a two-guard, and he might be number two as a Laker to Irvin Magic Johnson, depending on who you ask. But Kobe Bryant is not the second. All right, so there you have it. Hopefully you're able to hear that, uh, Stephen A. And, and this stems from some comments that Allen Iverson gave in a recent interview, putting Kobe Bryant over LeBron James. Now, interestingly, I do agree with Allen Iverson in terms of I have Kobe higher on my GOAT list than I do LeBron James. However, I agree with Stephen A. in that I do not have Kobe Bryant as as number two on on my goat list so I kind of agree with both in in different ways what are your initial thoughts seeing <laughs> seeing that video I think um I I will preempt you by letting you know that I have some strong disagreements with some of the talking points there yeah um I I overall think if you lay out this is conversation is very subjective. And I think oh, with sure. LeBron, a lot, it's, it's, I think it's unfortunate because his longevity gets held against him, but he's playing at such a high level. Like, can you mention how, how old is LeBron? Like, he's older than us. Like, he's in his approaching 40s. He's uh, 38 right now. He's, okay. He's just about the same age as us. He's just a okay. tiny bit older than both of us, I think. So if you look at the Lakers now, I mean, he's playing at like a borderline MVP level along with Anthony Davis. And if it wasn't for injuries, I would say that he, he's in like the con, you know, at least leading the the Lakers and playing at a high, high level. And they won the you know in-season tournament. I think that's really unheard of for a player of his age. I mean, usually we're writing players of his age off in terms of being passer prime and the way he's performing. I mean, there's no reason why as long as he has the passion, he can't play for another five years. So um, I think looking at it at their, both their resumes, Kobe has a lot of black marks against him. I think if you take a look at this playoff situations, I just remember, <laughs> I think it was Kobe against the Phoenix suns and just the way he acted I just think it's not of a top tier, you know, greatest of all time player. And again, if we're just talking about Hall of Fame, then that's irrelevant. But we're not. We're talking about the greatest of all time. So I think it's been those moments for Kobe compared to LeBron. I mean, look at Kobe in terms of his teams. I mean, the, the Lakers have been atrocious and Kobe was, you know, leading in scoring. I mean, can you mention, I, I mean, it's hard to press like years and years of LeBron leading them and scoring and being like a prevalent part of that team and the team just not being in playoff contention. Can you think of a year besides like his earlier years, like him once he got became LeBron, like him just, you know, being this, being this athlete that he's leading his team and just the rest of the team just sucks and they're just struggling to make the playoffs. I just can't remember that happening. I think, I mean, typically once LeBron is, can come fully into his prime, they have made the playoffs. And I think with Kobe, that's not been the case. And I think that's something to hold against him. So, you know, this is all subjective overall. I think 
I think to me, Kobe has a lot more strikes against him. That's why I put LeBron ahead of him, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think in terms of keeping it on point with what Stephen A was saying, I mean, he, you know, holds now. The, no denying Shaq was a beast in those first three titles in LA, but I, I do think it is quite misunderstood, not in the first title run for the Lakers, but in the, the second two uh, titles that they won in that three-peat. I think Kobe is a lot more important than people realize to those titles. And when you think of how Shaq factored into the league, the guy doing things in the clutch was actually Kobe for the most part, because you remember Shaq's on the free throws. Now, no denying Shaq was dominant at that time. Um, But on the other hand, we kind of hand wave off players that LeBron James, you know, basically rosters that he fashioned for himself to be on of future hall of famers. Um, so I, I don't think it's, it's the same thing. And also, I mean, there's the all defense teams that Kobe Bryant made <laughs> throughout his career, the 2010 title run. You can go back and look at an interview that Dwayne Wade gave. I can't remember the name of the show. I wish I did where he said the, the reason that the heat called each other and got together over that summer is because they couldn't get past the Celtics team that Kobe beat in 2010. It's one of the most difficult title runs of all time. 2009 is also a pretty impressive title run in its own right. Now, again, both you and I agree on MJ being the goat at the moment, or at least when we most recently talked about it. Uh, so neither of us, I, I would think, would put Kobe over MJ. But I think well, part of the reason I wanted to bring this up is I think the Kobe versus LeBron debate is a lot more interesting specifically compared to the LeBron versus Jordan debate that is almost by default brought up. Um, and a thought that I had posted is it, it is interesting with LeBron because simultaneously as you mentioned, Justin, the longevity is super impressive. And at the same time, it like opens up this window of time where you had all these years in the league to get stuff done. And yet Kobe has more accomplishments than you. Kareem, who had similar longevity to LeBron, um, has more accomplishments, you could argue, especially when if you factor in total basketball career. Uh, Jordan certainly has a lot more accolades and accomplishments than LeBron does in less amount of time. So as you said, it's subjective. I I just think um, the way that Stephen A. Smith specifically is framing this, and by the way, he also put magic, he mentioned magic as potentially a greater Laker than Kobe. And if we're just keeping it to Lakers, you know, he does not knock magic for playing with Kareem the same way that he knocks Kobe for playing with Shaq. So I just think in terms of logical consistency there, there's some missteps, unfortunately. No, it's it's inconsistent. And also Kobe was a more polarizing player. I mean, LeBron has a very much a, I don't know, if you're talking kind of in a political sphere, he's much more of a, I don't know, a less polarizing player in terms of what he does. If anything, people have criticized him passing too much in the clutch. So 
Right. I think compared to Kobe, where he was much more, you know, very much not the greatest teammate, you know, very demanding. I don't think you've heard the same of LeBron and as well as the core. He's, you know, he's a servant in terms of passing the ball. So I think it's kind of your philosophies also factor in as to who's better in terms of how they both play. I think it's they're diametrically opposed, even though LeBron is the most, he's the highest leading scorer. So yeah, maybe a history. Yeah. I will say since our episode recording who we think is the goat in the league that we did, you know, towards the beginning of the season, Kobe has climbed a little bit higher on my list um, compared to where I initially ranked him. So, you know, probably sometime next season or in the off season or something, we'll, we'll bring this discussion back fully into the fold when we have time. But speaking of time, you guys let us know in the comments what you think in terms of this Kobe versus LeBron uh, debate and, and the points that Stephen A. Smith brought up there. But speaking of time, we have a lot more topics to cover and stuff that I want to get into. Some big, impactful trades went down. Um, there's specifically one that we've been talking about for a while. That's the OG and Anobi trade since before last trade deadline, as, as we've mentioned. I mean, this was the most enticing piece of that trade deadline. And he finally has moved from the Raptors. You can see the full details here. If you're watching on video, uh, OG Ananobi gets traded. The Knicks receive OG Ananobi and precious, precious Achua. The Raptors receive RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly as, as well as a second round pick. A lot of controversy that I saw in terms of Knicks circles, in terms of they would have liked to see maybe more draft picks traded instead of trading Emmanuel quickly. I think Emmanuel quickly may have been the primary piece that the Raptors were really, really wanting to acquire out of this deal. So I don't know if that would have been a deal breaker for them to include, you know, a first rounder or two instead of Emmanuel quickly. But that's how the trade breaks down. In terms of what Vegas thinks, I found this interesting that the Knicks championships odds did not change with this trade. So looks like a good piece. And I think it's it's not unreasonable to say or an outlandish dish take to say that OG Ananobi is kind of thought of as a second or third fiddle, not the main star of your team. He certainly is the most valuable of all the pieces dealt in this deal. But Justin, just overlooking this trade and and seeing the full breakdown of it, do you have like a specific winner or loser? We've had a little bit of a sample size. The Knicks with OG and Anobi were able to take down the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is pretty cool since they're so hot right now. Um, What are your thoughts on this deal? Well, I think if you listen to the No Ducks guys, I think OG Ananobi's been kind of the, the big kept secrets in the NBA. Um, <laughs> so I think going to the Knicks, I, I think the Knicks won this trade. And I, I don't know. To me, I, I sound like a broken record, but it is what it is. I think in the NBA, you need stars to win. And I, just, I don't understand teams. This includes my Chicago Bulls. They kind of... They just think you grab a couple of all-stars and you think it's going to work together. And it just doesn't really work that way. Like every once in a while, it kind of gels together. But 
I guess you've seen it through OKC, through, you know, the Warriors, through certain teams that draft well usually produce, you know, great results. And I just think, you know, with the Raptors, it just tells me that they're in a full rebuilding mode. Like, I mean, they can put any PR spin that they want, but I think it mm. is kind of what it is. I think they have Scotty Barnes. I think that is a core piece, but I just don't know how these guys are going to, you know, really factor in to really moving their way up to the top of the conference, in my opinion. Now, with the Knicks, that's kind of the same deal, too. Like, they have a decision to make on Julius Randle. I mean, they clearly gave him Julius Randle years to kind of make it happen. He's had some great all-star years, but in the playoffs, that's not produced. I mean, that's the name of the game. You want to win championships. And I don't see him as that elite player. So, to me, I think, you know, there's been all kinds of rumors about the Knicks maybe making a move for Donovan Mitchell. That's kind of been out there within the last few weeks. So I don't, are the Knicks done? Don't know. But um, in my opinion, this trade doesn't really, I don't know, light my world on fire. Um, but at the same time, it seems like the Knicks, they know that they need to make some more moves to be a factor ultimately in the top of the conference. Yeah, and it does seem like this is just one of the dominoes of many that yeah. is falling in the plan for the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks are delusional enough to think that this is like a title-bound team the way it's so constructed either. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, a nice piece to have on a, yeah. a team to make noise. I, I think what they need, as we dis- discussed with Xavier Justin, as we've discussed with other guests in the past, you know, they, they just need to pull that star. And I think that will happen most likely in free agency. Someone's going to be unhappy enough to see that. That's my prediction on it. Uh, There are more predictions underway there. There is a lot of noise that they're going to continue to be noisy during the trade deadline and certainly in the off season uh, with actually moving pieces rather than counting on signing a free agent. We'll be curious to see what happens there. Certainly. Um, I, I think on the Raptors side of this too, it was good to see that RJ Barrett, who is a Canadian is really excited to join the Raptors. It's a nice piece of this. And also Perfectly. a lot of people who watch the Raptors a lot more than I do have been saying that Emmanuel quickly is the perfect guard to put next to Scotty Barnes. So uh, could be a really good fit there. There's also been uh, the comment made that this is a a move made to match timelines here. So these players, RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly match the timeline of Scotty Barnes. They're younger guys and the, um, the kind of odd man out who is being shopped around right now is Pascal Siakam on this Raptors team. It looks like you can almost bank it that if not this trade deadline, then maybe in the off season, it it really does look like he's, he's moving. He is an expiring contract. So you would think uh, that a deal gets done by this trade deadline. There's extra incentive there on the Raptors to get a deal done. But then again, you know, they didn't get a deal done for uh, Kyle Lowry. So it'd be interesting to see um, what happens there. Any other thoughts on this trade, Justin? Um, I don't. I think that's a good point you raised about um, R.J. Barrett and playing for his home country. I think that's pretty significant. I think you've seen just 
the game of basketball grow in Canada since Vince Carter. And I think that's really an understated storyline throughout the sport in North America. It doesn't get discussed too much. And um, you guys gave me a, some guest ideas. <laughs> so maybe stay tuned for that. We can delve into just, you know, Canada, you know, really rising uh, because that's not really talked about enough in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think too, you know, I've always been impressed with RJ Barrett since you and I saw him in summer league on the Knicks uh, before he was officially like playing his first NBA regular season game and a lot of potential there. Maybe New York, maybe it's one of those things where New York just wasn't the right fit for him with the pieces around him. He's going to have a lot of opportunity to um, make a name for himself here in Toronto. So uh, we'll see what he does with that. Next up, Justin, I wanted to look at starting in the Eastern Conference, kind of some shifts in the standings and a little bit of separation points that we have in the standings. So I'm going to pull that up and we'll dive into that. In the Eastern Conference, we've got the Celtics still holding strong at number one, the Bucks. At number two, two games behind the Celtics and the 76ers at the third spot right now. And we are closing in. We're about, you know, maybe depending on the team, about five to 10 games away from the halfway mark of the season. So, yes, things can still change around a lot. But I think we've seen some big patterns and some things being established now. And first one that I'm going to mention is those top three right there seem to be pretty solidly in the top three in the East. And I don't think this is a big surprise when you're talking Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers, maybe a bit of a surprise that, you know, James Harden's departure hasn't seemed to knock the 76ers off of the track that they were on since last year. Um, and a coaching change as well with Nick Nurse. So credit to him also for getting the job done there in Philadelphia to this point. Then we have, they've been ascending, they've been hot of late. Well, not most recent on the two-game losing streak, but the Miami Heat climbing to the fourth seed. Justin, I give a tip of the cap to you for picking the Heat to make some noise. Obviously, there's still time, as we said, but... Uh, that's pretty solid. I, I did not have them touching top four seed at all this season. So good on the heat for that. The Magic, who we talked about a lot last month when they were really hot, are coming back down. They are at the fifth seed. And then there's three more teams kind of in, in this same category of uh, a team grouping before we see another drop off. That is the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton making all kinds of noise and crazy statistics still. The seven seed are the Knicks, who we just talked about. We'll see if they can climb with OG Ananobi on the roster now. One would certainly expect that. And uh, at number eight, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have also slowly been climbing. They dealt with all those injury issues early on this season and just have not really fully been able to find their footing. So our top grouping is one, two, three Celtics, Bucks, 76ers. And then there's four games of space between the Heat and the 76ers to start our four, five, six, seven, eight, which is Heat, Magic, Pacers, 
Knicks and Cavaliers. Um, thoughts so far on those teams mentioned in the Eastern Conference, Justin? Yeah. Anything stand um, out to you? Not much to add. Um, you know, you see just the elite teams starting to prove separation. I think you can just see that with the Bulls play the 76ers, I think, as recorded on this podcast, January 2nd, and just the beatdown that the Sixers put on him. <laughs> I mean, there's just a huge talent disparity there. Um, I think it's rather interesting. Levine, Zach Levine's name has come up in trade rumors for yeah. him to go to the Heat. Um, and they need some scoring just because they, they're really great defensively, but they struggle offensively. And I, I just think, I, I don't know. I I think that'll be very interesting. I mean, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, curious about the match, and I think it'll kind of lead to my point in the Western Conference. I won't totally give it away, but if the Magic stay within this five seed, you know, the playoffs, it, I'm interested to see how they mature, um, how they really adapt to having just a top seed in the conference and really just, you know, adjust to the pressures of playoff basketball. So I'm very curious about that. Tyrese Halliburton as well. Um, yeah, I think it's very compelling. I think the Cavaliers have been a disappointment, like you said. Um, I think that's due to the injuries. Um, I got a comment on my Bulls, of course. I just mentioned it's kind of a bummer they went on that winning streak when Zach Levine got hurt, just because it kind of just enables them to give them hope that this roster's any good to do something, and it's not. So it's just kind of like <laughs> false hope. Like, to me, it's like he's off this team good. Like, you're mediocre. Like, look at their their record so far. I mean, they're okay at home and they're terrible on the road. Well, I mean, and there's talk just... of Lonzo Ball coming back. There's talk but that like, he's when... running again uh, this yeah, month. I mean, I mean, uh, until he's – unless until it's like, hey, he's, like, practicing with the team. I don't right. know. And then also, yeah. I mean, how many, I mean, he's such a long time off. He's got to get acclimated. I mean, that is a hell of a lot of pressure to put on him. For him that's to be the savior of this team when they have not really shown that much with him off the court. And who knows, he can get hurt again. So I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I don't have my hopes up. So I don't know. I, I will see. I mean, I, not to spoil anything, but we might have some insiders. I think that might be a point to ask if they're just clutching on hope for Alonzo Ball to come back. But uh, other than yeah. that, I think the way the conference has played out, I'm not extremely surprised just yeah. the way we're near MLK Day. To your point with the Magic, I also want to see I, – I have serious doubts about them even hanging on to that five seed. So I, I want to see yeah. kind of if the league has figured out how to deal with them or if it was just kind of a lot of effort early on that got them there. But, you know, as – as we discussed with with a past guest, they also have two of their potential starters who will be coming yeah. back from injury. So that could also lead to a resurgence for the Magic. Uh, just kind of rounding this out, you discussed the Bulls, so I won't talk about them much. But at number nine, below the Cavs, we have the Nets and then the Bulls and the Hawks at 11, who I think... In my opinion, that's the most disappointing team on this list, especially um, I, I was high on them doing a little better with Quinn Snyder having like a full off season with this team. Uh, man, <laughs> bummer in Atlanta for sure. And uh, then the 12 seed, 
Toronto Raptors. We'll see how the new look Raptors do. Uh, this nine through 12 grouping are at least 11 and a half games back from first place, the first place Boston Celtics. And then you have just, you know, the, the dog bowl of the Eastern conference, so to speak, the uh, Charlotte Hornets, who are 17 and a half games back, the Wizards, who are 19 and a half, and then the Pistons, who are 23 games back. They did end their losing streak, though, in Detroit. So congrats on that. I hope that the rest of their losing streaks are much shorter than that that previous NBA record losing streak was. Atrocious. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I just genuinely feel for those fans, and I'm yeah. not even a Pistons fan. Um, so just kind of some separation there. I think, you know, I, I comfortably, I mean, Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, pending some kind of catastrophe, it, it seems like they are truly in the playoffs no matter what, and probably a good chance – that there'll be a home court advantage team at least. Um, I would say, like, I feel very comfortable about the Heat and Knicks being in locked into a decent play in, or I'm sorry, away from the play in tournament situation. So a top six seed. And then with the Magic and the Pacers, you know, their younger teams will kind of see what they can do, but they are also well into the playoff hunt at this point. It doesn't seem like I'm there's much motivation for the Brooklyn Nets to like come up a level. We have to see what Mikhail Bridges will do, what Cam Johnson will do to get this team um, up to higher seating, if at all possible. Of course, as a Rockets fan and we have their pick, I, I'm all for it if they don't want to make that effort, but we'll see what they do. Let's go ahead and move to the Western Conference, Justin. And we have the Timberwolves at number one. We have the Thunder at number two and the Nuggets at number three. And that's a good markoff spot for some differentiation. The Nuggets are only a game and a half behind the top seeded Timberwolves. Shocking at, at this point in the year, as we've mentioned before, for the Timberwolves and now the Thunder to be one, two. By the way, everyone's talking about it, so I might as well mention it. The Thunder are on fire lately. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is putting up Jordan-esque regular season numbers, which I know I'm not I'm not trying to blaspheme here on, <laughs> on uh, who we agree is the GOAT, but he's averaging like 33, 6, 5, a couple steals. I mean, he's really doing everything for this Thunder team, and that team is stacked. So, you know, Tip of the cap to Sam Presti, who has always gotten props as a GM. What I want to see with this young core is can they, and this is a conversation for another day, but can they meld this talent now into a title team? We saw them with that core of KD, Westbrook, and James Harden back in the day, and Ibaka, got to mention him too, uh, get to the NBA Finals. Can Sam Presti get over the hill? Because... Ultimately, that's that's one of the biggest marks of greatness, especially, I think, when you're looking at a GM. Can you construct a title-winning team? So that's my question for Sam Presti, just to kind of, I don't know, push back a little bit, I guess, on uh, all the praise that the Thunder rightfully deserve at this point in the season with that young core. Uh, but they beat the Celtics. They beat 
the Timberwolves and they beat the Denver Nuggets as a part of this five game win streak that they're on at the moment. Uh, so very impressive. The Clippers are the four seed. They are four games back from the Timberwolves, followed by, and there's a lot of close teams here. So we'll just go all the way to the 500 Lakers who are sitting at 10th right now. So fourth, Clippers, fifth, Kings, sixth, Pelicans, seventh, Mavericks, eighth, Suns, who just recently on their win streak got out of the under 500 club. Rockets at ninth and Lakers at 10th. Um, thoughts on that top 10 so far before we talk about the bottom five. Yeah, I think just looking at this, the teams that you're just talking about the top 10, correct? Yes. Okay. So to me, I, I just want to make sure um, my surprise has been the Pelicans. Look at that. One three yeah. in a row. Sitting at six. Zion's yeah. healthy. Me like, too. That is that is pretty substantial because how many times have you know everybody's been wondering not only about Zion but just if the Pelicans can put it together? That's pretty substantial. So to me, I, the Thunder are not too much of a surprise. I think we saw this coming. If you're like a true basketball fan, in terms of gathering picks and Chuck Holmgren and Chuck Gilchrist Alexander, like uh, it's not super duper surprising. Yeah, but, but I they're, think they're on pace for 59 wins though. I mean, that's, that's true. Like 20, but, 21 year old. That, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. But you, and maybe I'm just like a skeptic. You got to prove it in the playoffs. Oh, and yeah, you look, yeah. And to For me, sure. if I would have more confidence if, like, let's just say the Nuggets, just if Jokic got hurt or the Clippers stunk. And, you know, to me, there's just too many teams on this list that they. I think they're going to run into some trouble in a playoff situation. It's just oh, I agree. The playoffs, agree. the playoffs are just different. To me, they can have as many wins as they want. That's a huge, that's a pretty significant accomplishment, and that's a step in the right direction. But as a like true title contender, it, it, it's very interesting because if you take a look, I mean, the teams that we would have banked as contenders to me, I mean, I had the Warriors, Lakers, Suns. I mean, they're kind of out of it. I mean, look at even the Rockets. I mean, they're at the nice seat. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible at, at this point right now. And, you know, don't count out. I mean, we'll get to it later, but there might be some teams willing to kind of make a boost, you know, to kind of the top of the standings here. So I'm really questioning. I think with the Timberwolves, it's really now or never. I think for years, I think they have been a huge disappointment. And now them being at the one seat, can they keep this sustainable? Um, we will see. So I think it's cool to see kind of the West kind of in this kind of new school era. Um, I know even the Kings have kind of struggled, but they're still the fifth seed. So I don't think it's quite over for them in terms of what's been going. I think we're seeing kind of a new kind of like the old guard versus the new guard. I think it's pretty cool to see because traditionally, unless there's injuries or something, it's kind of like, you know, you have your traditional power teams in the West and usually you'll have one or two young teams, maybe make a little bit of noise, but this is the first time we've really seen such a switch in terms of your traditional power teams within the Western conference. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, what's worse news, I think for the Lakers who you mentioned as a surprise disappointment, I, I would agree with that. Um, one of the things that makes that even worse is that they've had good health from Anthony yeah. Davis and good performance from him. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look Agreed. at the numbers he's putting up, 
very impressive. I mean, we, yeah. we talked about in the off season, it's not just this past off season, but in off seasons before, like, when are you going to take the keys, Anthony Davis? Yeah. And really in a lot of ways, he kind of has from this Lakers team. When, when you consider on the defensive end, you know, LeBron is in, isn't the same player he used to be. Um, so AD's picking up a lot of the slack on that end of the court. Um, so I, I don't know. And I don't think bringing Zach Levine in as is rumored, it helps the Lakers out a whole lot. Even if he can get a bucket at times, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, we all know your thoughts on Zach Levine. So I think we're in total agreement here. That's not going to remedy their problems. Uh, Just to finish out our, our 15 teams in the West real quickly, the Warriors are uh, just a half game behind the Lakers at 11th place. 12th place, the Utah Jazz, who have slowly been climbing back up into uh, close to relevancy, which, I mean, they really started down at the bottom of the Western Conference. So coming back a little bit, the Grizzlies, in spite of having John Morant, they've been a little bit hit or miss. Uh, So they are comfortably right now at, at 13th. Uh, 13 and a half games behind the Timberwolves for that top spot. Then the Trailblazers at 14th. They're just figuring stuff out with Scoot and um, kind of as uh, we predicted, they're towards the bottom of the West. But actually, uh, maybe on another one of the most shocking things from this list, I, I don't think we thought this team was going to be fantastic, but the Spurs sitting yeah, at 5 and 28 which I I really don't think gets quite enough questioning when you consider you have a a legendary all-time great coach that no one would deny, at least at um, before the last four years of his career. So I I think everyone would agree with that without question. Now, lots of questions about what's going on in San Antonio that they only have five wins so far out of the first 33 games of their season. Yeah. Yeah. No, true. Some huge questions and could spell the end of pop in San Antonio. I mean, it continues like this. Yeah. I hard to believe that, um, that that could be the case. Um, any other thoughts on the Western conference before we move to our last topic? No, not really. I'm interested to see who makes any moves at the trade deadline. It's weird because the Lakers <laughs> made all those moves last year. And this year, yeah. you know, you have your your top two players are healthy and playing at a high level and they're struggling. So I, I really don't know what they're going to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And how how much can you continue to pivot on those trades? Um, yeah. Yeah. So all, all good points. And, uh, I mean, D'Angelo does have a very tradable contract, but I'm not sure what you're going to get for him. That brings a whole lot of value to this team. It, it doesn't seem like, I mean, the Mavericks aren't imploding like a lot of people thought they would with Kyrie Irving on the roster. They're, they're doing fine. Uh, they're, they've come back to earth. They were up, you know, as you remember, up at like the second seed in the yeah. Western Conference earlier. Uh, they've come back to earth, but they're still not far off from being able to compete for home court advantage. They're they're right in the hunt for that, at least. Um, so, yeah, not sure what the Lakers can do. Um, last topic that I wanted to bring up, Kevin Durant 
And this was right around Christmas time. So little time has passed on this story, but I, I still find it interesting and want to touch on it. The Suns have won their last four games before that. Reports are coming out from Woj that Kevin Durant is really frustrated with the situation in Phoenix, uh, frustrated that, you know, I think a, a big part of this certainly is that Bradley Beal has spent a lot of time on the bench uh, this year from injuries. And so things just haven't been going quite as I think KD envisioned for the Phoenix Suns. Just wanted to ask your thoughts on this, Justin. Do you do you feel like that's kind of like a healthy frustration? Do you feel like there's more to it than this? Do you feel like it's justified? Just give me your thoughts all in all in, in hearing that news when that headline came out. Um, I think it's a healthy frustration. I don't think it's really anything to look at. I mean, 38th seed. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, them and the Mavericks are right there. They can flip-flop at it really any time. I mean, there's a substantial jump with the Pelicans, but if Zion gets hurt, I mean, who knows? I mean, to me, I don't think it's something to really worry about. The Suns have been hurt. I think you got to cut yourself, cut them some slack. I think with a lot of these veteran teams, I mean, kind of the good news is that you get the teams that are at the top of the conference, they have never been in that position before. And the playoffs are a whole different ballgame, as we saw with the Kings and Warriors. So, I wouldn't really be sweating it if I'm the Suns. As long as you're not in like the, the play-in tournament, I think you're good. I don't think they really need home court. I don't think, especially with the way the Suns roster is constructed, they should be able to win a playoff series without home court advantage. So um, to me, I wouldn't be that concerned unless they are in the play-in tournament or worse. So, Yeah, I think, and uh, Bill Simmons had this take just about, you know, Kevin Durant is being a little bit overextended as it is right now. He's probably he's kind of being expected to play a lot of minutes for his age. Um, and so I think that's also where some of this frustration comes from is that, you know, you're playing, you're needing to play me so hard right now that I'm, yeah. I'm going to burn out and break down by the time the playoffs come or before that, God forbid. Um, so I, I get some of that frustration there. However, I I also agree with Bill Simmons' sentiment that he really needs to get this done in Phoenix. Like if if we get to the offseason, if they have a disappointing showing in the playoffs and there's another trade request that happens or something like that, I mean, of course, players can do what they want. But man, it, in my opinion, it was already a bad look leaving the Brooklyn Nets. Um, of course, I mean lots of bad looks for Katie in terms of like off season decisions, as, as we've talked about as much as you and I both love and respect him when he's on the court, he's, he's such a killer, but um, I, I don't know. I can't see him uh, at least for the time that, that he and Booker are both on this roster. I, I can't see him like, getting so frustrated to the point that he leaves this team or, or I can't see that being a good decision, I guess is a better way to put it. Cause we, we have seen the situation where he gets so frustrated that he leaves. Do you have any concerns about that type of a scenario at this point? Possibly that's been his track record. And so mm. imagine we stay with the warriors. I mean, he had a good, I mean, he was the man, Steph, Steph, Clay Thompson, and even looking now, I mean, Clay Thompson's, I, I wouldn't say a shell of himself, but certainly that injury has affected him. And I just, I, to me, if he just stays there, I think they probably win a couple of more titles and 
I think he's happier. And I think Steph would defer to him. I think they, to my impression, they all three of them got along as you know, despite the, the Draymond situation, Draymond maybe is traded. I mean, who knows? So mm-hmm. especially if, if, you know, Durant just, it just happens just to stick it out and stays. So, you know, I think it's, it's unfortunate to see where his career, I think he's made some like really bad choices. That's the way yeah. it's turned out. So yeah, we'll see. hundred percent agree. And right now, if the season ended today, which we're far from that, they would be matched up. Like say there's no play in tournament. They would be matched up against the Timberwolves. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think right now in this moment, I don't think they could beat the Timberwolves in seven. I agree. Uh, how things are right now. The other thing too, is that this is still not an overall roster. Like this is very offense focused as, yeah. as most of the league is. But when you run into a complete team, like the Nuggets, who maybe they're not a fantastic defensive team, but they are a pretty good team defensive team. The Timberwolves, obviously everyone's been raving about their defense and and the job Rudy Gobert has done in his bounce back season. Uh, So I, I I'm with you. I see a lot of problematic matchups here. So I do think that they need number one to get together so they can gel. So they even build that chemistry that you need for a title but then also to advance up the rankings a little bit more. Uh, good news for them. The Clippers, who we mentioned, are the four seed, are four games behind the Timberwolves. The Suns are only two and a half games behind them. So yeah. there's certainly time to make up ground and get that home court advantage for your first series. Justin, anything else you saw around the league that you want to touch on for today? Uh, no, I think we, we covered it. I tend to agree with you. Let us know your guys' thoughts in the comments. What's going on in Phoenix? Are things, now that they're on this win streak, are are things all settled with KD? Is there peace in Phoenix? Let us know your thoughts on the OG Ananobi, RJ Barrett, IQ trade. Let us know your thoughts on the Kobe Stephen A comments and where you think Kobe ranks specifically among the greats. Um, Always fun to do this with you, Justin, and appreciate you guys tuning in. And whether you're watching or listening to the show, we really appreciate it. Hope you have a great start to 2024, and we will look forward to catching up with you next week on In the Lab with Hoopsology. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Peace out. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.